If uh, you brought your Bibles this morning, turn to two openings, please. Romans 1 and Luke 4. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And uh, we're all going to Romans 1 and Luke 4. Romans 1 and 15. We've been on a subject for some weeks now, a series, I believe we're nearing the end of it here, called Good News to the Poor. And our main texts are here in Romans 1 and Luke 4. Romans 1, 15 Spirit of God through Paul said, as much as in me is, of everything that's in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He's ready to preach what? We are commanded to preach the gospel. And uh, you have to watch as preachers that you don't get sidetracked. And you can preach all kind of stuff instead of the gospel. You can preach social reform. You can preach needs. You can preach experiences. You can preach diet. You can preach all kind of stuff instead of the gospel. And that's not what we're told to preach. We're told to preach the gospel. Gospel means good news. The good message, the good report, good news. And he said, I'm ready to preach it to you. And I am too. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the good message. The good news of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. He didn't say the gospel talks about the power of God. What did he say? It is the power of God, not just to everybody that hears it, but to who? Those that believe it. Everybody that believes it, receives it. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it. Now, he said, I'm not ashamed of the good message of Christ. As we've gone into detail about, why would he say I'm not ashamed? Unless there had been pressures or temptations to be ashamed, to shame him, to cause him to pull back, or that others had become ashamed and pulled back and withdrew from being bold or being uh, open to identify with the gospel. But you can see and hear him resisting that. And he's standing up. He started off by saying, with everything that's in me, I'm ready to preach this good news to you. For I am not ashamed of this good message of Christ. And do you think you and I should feel the same way? Should we say it out loud, I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In Luke, the fourth chapter, if you'd look there, please. Luke. Luke 4 and 18 Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. 
to preach the good news to the poor. Well, what is the good news to the poor? What would that sound like? A lot of people read this and they think, well, you know, that you can, you don't have to go to hell. You can be born again. But no, read the rest of the passage. What's the good news to the brokenhearted? You don't have to go to hell? No, you can be healed. What's the good news to the captives? You can be born again. Well, no, delivered. You can be delivered. What's good news to the blind? You can recover your sight. What's good news to those bruised with shackles and chains? You can be set at liberty. Can you see the good news is the release from what's binding you? The good news is the 180 of your situation, your troubled problem situation. Well, what's good news to the poor then? Ain't got to be poor. No more. Wouldn't that be good news if you're down, if you're hurting, if you're broke, and somebody came and said, hey, now that you are born again, your poor days are over. Your broke days are behind you. But now that is not preached as the gospel in all kind of churches all over this country and all over this world. In fact, people like me are criticized and railed against. I've had people write me letters and send me ugly grounds and, and uh, say, you know, we don't, believe, we don't believe all that stuff. We don't preach all that healing and all that prosperity stuff. We just preach the gospel. Uh-huh. Now, we went to Acts 14 in the beginning of our study, and we saw that Paul preached the gospel in a certain place, and a man got faith to be healed from hearing what Paul called the gospel. And if you never preached on healing or that it was God's will for you to be healed, how is anybody going to get faith to be healed? They're not. Faith comes by hearing. So if we preach the same gospel Paul preached, People will not only get faith to be born again, they'll get faith to be healed too. There's good news to the sick. There's good news to the lost. There's good news to the poor. Can you say glory to God? Now if you haven't been with us, let me encourage you. We've covered a lot of ground. We've been through mucho scriptures and and looked at a lot of things and what we're going into today is built on the foundation of that. And let me encourage you, go online, download it uh, in its entirety. If you're in the building, you can get CDs or DVDs at no charge. And no charge means no excuse excuse for not knowing it, not getting it. So you can't say, well, I didn't have any money. I couldn't get it. Oh, yes, you could. Yes, you could. So uh, go with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians the 8th chapter. 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. What is some of the good news to the poor? We looked at numerous scriptures. And uh, we saw, you want to, don't have to turn to these, but just listen to the, some of these. Psalm 113, 7 and 8 in the easy to read says, He lifts the poor out of the dirt And he rescues beggars from the garbage dump. And he puts them in important positions. Giving them a place among the leaders of his people. Is that good news? If you were living in the garbage dump. 
And you heard that. That God would get you out of there and lift you up and even put you in an important position. Somebody say praise God. The Bible said that God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. We've heard that, uh, you know, churches all over the world believe Psalm 23. Don't they? Put up Psalm 23, verse 1. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm broke all the time. (laughs) Yeah? No? No? Does that work with this? How can you tell whether a shepherd is a good shepherd or a bad shepherd? What if you heard this story about this famous good shepherd? I mean, you've been heard stories about him for years and years. And you lived in a part of the world where they still shepherd sheep like they did centuries ago. And you've always heard about how amazing, how good this shepherd is. And so one day you hear he's coming by your village. And so you think, oh, wow, I've been wanting to see this good shepherd. So you you run out to the road, and here he comes, and you see his flock behind him. And as he gets closer, oh, man, he's a tall, regal-looking individual. He's got a beautiful flowing robe, his ornamented staff. I mean, he just looks amazing. You think, oh, yeah, yeah, this got to be him. And you're in awe, and he goes by, and, and you look back at his flock, and they're a pitiful-looking bunch. <laughs> I mean, they're a little scrawny, ribs showing and sticking out. You got some that's got gaping wounds, and one back there's got a broken leg, and he's dragging it along. And it's obvious they haven't been fed, they haven't been tended to, they haven't been cared for. What would you say? Help me out. What would you say? You say, I don't care what they say or what he looks like, he's not a good shepherd. Because... What kind of shepherd is revealed by the condition of the flock? Right? What kind of shepherd do we have? Come on, help me out. Is is he a good shepherd? He is the best. He's the best. And because we have such a good shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. For healing, I shall not want. For forgiveness, I shall not want. For peace of mind, I shall not want. For money, I shall not want. For money, I shall not want. For money, and stuff, and gas in my car, electricity in my house, clothes on my kids. Come on, are you listening? Tuition money, I shall not want. Why? Because my God's a good God and I got a good shepherd. See, it's no wonder that people are staying away from God, staying away from churches by the millions because they've heard lies from pulpits. They heard, you know, that that God would uh, tear up your house with a tornado. He'd steal your your baby with a disease. He would do this. He would do that. And and then they say, won't you come join the flock? (laughs) And they're like, No thanks, you know. (laughs) Oh, but come on. When God's goodness, and then didn't the Bible say that people are are drawn to repentance by the goodness of God? When the goodness of God is in our life, and people see all kind of things are happening, and we're still taken care of, the economy has challenges, and and people are losing this and losing that, and we increase in the middle of it. 
and our kids are kept and healed and our bills are paid and paid off. Come on, are you listening? And people look and go, how do you do it? How do you do it? You say, i got a good shepherd. And he's still taking applications for the flock. Would you, would you like to join? Would you like to come? <laughs> Much more interesting and palatable. 2 Corinthians 8, did you find it? 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. He said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, and we really don't fathom how rich he's talking about. He's talking about being in glory with the Father. And he laid it all aside and became a man and was born in an animal trough. Hmm? And at the end, they took even his clothes off of him. And and that did not happen for no reason. He allowed that to happen. And he became poor. Didn't he? We read the New Testament now. He became poor that we might be poor also. Then why do so many people preach or at least leave the impression that it's God's will for a lot of people to be poor? We just don't understand it. It's mysterious. But obviously it is because if it wasn't his will for them to be poor, then they wouldn't be poor. And people act sarcastic to folks that preach like me. And, and they say, well, if God wanted everybody to be, that's ridiculous. If God wanted everybody to be rich, they'd be rich. Well, why don't you say if God wanted everybody to be saved, they'd be saved. If God wants everybody to be out of sin, they'd be out of sin. No, we have a free will and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, but only to those who believe it. And if you don't believe it, you're not going to receive it. You're not going to have it. Believe it, receive it. Doubt, do without. I had a fellow take me to task about healing one time. He said, oh, prove to me. This and that. Now, I don't, you know, I don't believe in that. I've been in church. I've been in this for X amount of decades. He said, I've never seen anybody healed. I've never seen any miracle. I've never seen anything like that. I said, do y'all preach healing? <laughs> well, no. You preach it's God's will for all to be healed? No. You preach it God's power will heal you right now? Do you believe? No. I said, isn't that, isn't that interesting? We preach that. And I pointed, there are are, uh, notebooks full of testimonies right there on that desk. And you don't preach it and don't have any. Wonder if there's any connection. (laughs) These signs follow them that believe, not them that doubt it and fight it and wrestle with it, them that believe it. People say, I don't believe it now. You won't be bothered with it. (laughs) Y'all are just that health and wealth. Gospel bunch. <laughs> Gospel means good news. What kind of good news? If you don't like health and wealth, good news. What do you want? You're sickness and broke. Good news. You go, good news. You're going to be broke. Good news is God's will for you to be sick. That's not good news. Is it good news? It's not. What is good news? Come on, read this verse with me. What is good news? 
you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for, he didn't do this for himself, for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might be rich. Did he do it? Then we are. You're just as rich as you are righteous, whether you're experiencing it or not. It is a finished fact in Jesus. So why don't you just try it out loud? I know some people think it's a four letter and a bad word, but it's a Bible word. R-I-C-H. Say it out loud. He's made me rich. Say it again. He's made me rich. Say it again. He's made me. So I am rich. 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 It's not a bad word. It's a good word. Rich. You ought to just go around and say it the rest of the day. Rich. Rich. And just look at your neighbor once in a while and say, Rich. Rich. I know it makes religious folks mad. That's why I just keep saying it. Uh, we need our mind renewed. We need our mind renewed. Now, Look at some of the, one of the big reasons why he has done this for us. Go with me to, let's see, go to Ephesians 2, 1 Timothy 6, and Titus 2, and <laughs> 2 Kings 4, and Matthew 27, and Acts 14, are you, got all that? <laughs> Ephesians 2, are you there? Ephesians 2.10. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship. Did you know you are a priceless, as far as silver and gold is concerned, there's only one thing in all the universe of time and eternity that could buy you was worth as much and more to buy you. It was and is the blood of the Lamb. It's the only thing worth enough to buy you. And you are a one of a kind. God original. You are an autographed piece. One of one. Don't you believe these people who are confused and, and science so-called that you are an insignificant speck of dust and highly evolved animal of complete insignificance when considered from a cosmic perspective in the universe? <laughs> lies, lies, lies. You are, and I am, all of us are, the apple of his eye. We are more important to him than planets. Are you listening to me? We are. We are why he has done all this. And you are a one of one. One of a kind. His handiwork. That's one reason why God is not pleased with sickness. He's not pleased with Depression, he's not pleased with poverty. Sickness, for instance. It, if you saw a beautiful masterpiece painting 
And somebody came along and put garbage on it and put junk and marred it and defaced it. That wouldn't be a good thing. And when disease ravages and distorts and deforms God's beautiful creation, that's not good, is it? No, not our minds, not our bodies, not our spirits, not our lives. We are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. Why? That we may do those good works which God predestined for us. He planned it beforehand, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. We're God's handiwork, predestined to what? Good works. Everybody say good works. Skip down to 1 Timothy 6, or over, 1 Timothy 6. And 17. 1 Timothy 6.17. He says charge them that are rich in this world. That they get rid of all those riches. No that's not in there. Don't be high minded. Don't be puffed up. Now do you identify with this verse when you read it? (laughs) Three people. (laughs) Maybe. What did he say? What do you mean? When you read this, do you think, charge them that are rich not to be high-minded? Yep, I got to watch that. <laughs> no, most Christians read that and they think, well, that don't pertain to me. <laughs> and don't trust in the uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 18, that they do good. That they be rich in good works. Now who did he tell to be rich in good works? Those who were rich in this world. Say it out loud. Rich in good works. Rich in this world. And that they be ready to distribute and willing to communicate. Listen to some other translations of this. God's word translation says. Tell them to do good. To do a lot of good things. And to be generous. And to share. The message Bible says it like this. Verse 18. To do good. And to be rich in helping others. To be extravagantly generous. Now in order to be rich. In the kind of good works he's talking about. You have to be rich. In this world. Do you see this? Because you can't give. What you don't have. Do you see this? Titus, go over to Titus, please, the, the second chapter. Titus 2 and, and 13. 2.13, he says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. That he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Zealous means hot. It means fervent. It means stoked. Pumped. 
About what? About what? Jesus gave himself for us. Why? So he could redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a peculiar. That word doesn't really communicate it in our language. That we, When we hear peculiar, we think weird. He's talking about special. Rare and special. Which is the idea we just read in Ephesians. Special people. Let let me read this to you from the Amplified. He said that he might purify to himself a people. To be peculiarly his own people who are eager and enthusiastic. About living a life that is good. And filled with beneficial deeds. Are you eager? About living a good life. Full of good works. Oh somebody say glory to God. God's word translation says it's similar. Said So that we can be his special people who are enthusiastic about doing good things. Enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. Eager. Stoked. Pumped. About what? Doing good works with what? You see, one of the most inconsistent incongruities is people telling you you shouldn't have much but you should help the poor a lot how with what (laughs) how many think that's how can you do it but see that's man's ideas and religious tradition that has replaced the word of God No, eager, enthusiastic. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, you don't have to turn there. They'll put it up on the screen for us. 24, 25. He said, let us consider one another. To what? Provoke. Uh, That's not in a bad way. That's in a good way. To stir each other up and encourage and, and urge each other on. To what? To love. And what? Good works. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another. And so much more. The more as you see the day approaching. We are supposed to come together. And meet together. You're not supposed to go month after month. And not do that for no good reason. I mean, y'all are here. Y'all know that. You're supposed to get up, get out of bed, get there. And there's a reason why we're supposed to rub shoulders. We're supposed to be in the room with each other's faith and enthusiasm. Come on, are you listening to me? It's just, thank God for the tools we have. Thank God for TV and satellite and, and videos and internet. But... When the Lord told you to be there, there's nothing will take the place of you being in that chair. You being in that meeting. And what happens is we are encouraging one another. And I hear about what God used you to do. Good works. And I think, wow, I want to do that. You hear about what we did and you think, well, why can't we do that? Glory, right? Can you see what I'm saying? And we just, uh, we just urge each other and it's not a competition, but it's just an encouragement of each other. Can you say amen? 
Now go with me please to Luke the 8th chapter. I asked a question and made a comment about rich in this world, rich in good works. I tell you, before you go there, go to 2 Corinthians 9. Let's do it this way. Hold your place in Luke 8. I think we'll go right there from one place to the other. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Amplified. God is able to make all grace, every favor, earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Is he able to do that? Reckon he wants to. But why would he be telling us about it, talking to us about it? So that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. First of all, that you be self-sufficient. You don't require aid and support from people. You're not dependent on people. If it's good to help the poor, it's bad to be poor. Are you listening? Because if it was good to be poor, you shouldn't help the poor. Because where they are is good. And if you really believe it's God's will for them to be poor, you certainly shouldn't help them get out of the will of God. If it's good to help the poor, it's bad to be poor. We've already covered a lot of ground, looked at a lot of scriptures to to come to this conclusion. But the Bible in Proverbs says the poverty is the destruction of the poor. There's nothing redeeming and good about poverty. There are people starving to death on the planet today for lack of a decent meal. That's poverty in its extreme. There are people that are eating, but they haven't got enough money to pay their bills or to pay their rent. That's the same ugly stuff. It's just a lesser degree of it. There's nothing good about it. There's nothing redeeming of it, any of it. And uh, God never intended for any man or woman to have to be dependent on other men and women. Not when they could have him as their source. And the good news to the poor is not the government's going to take care of you from now on and not some rich Christian's going to take care of you from now on and not the local church is going to take care of you from now on. Come on, are you listening to me? Now thank God the Lord uses us as an instrument to help people through this transition. But the good news is you don't have to beg anybody again. You do not have to depend on another man as long as you live. You can go straight to the source. And I don't care where you are, what slum you're in, what garbage dump you're in. He will lift you out. And he's able to. Can you say amen? Amen. Verse 8 in the NET. The New English. It says, God is able to make all grace overflow to you. So that you, because you have enough of everything in every way at all times, you will overflow in every good work. Let me read that again. God's able to make all grace overflow to you so that 
because you have enough of everything in every way at all times, you will overflow in every good work. All your stuff is done. You got more than enough in every area and you have overflow for good works. Right, left, front and back. Every good work. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why did he become poor so we could be rich? This is one of the big reasons. Yes, so that all of our needs would be met, but also that we could be enabled to be rich in good works. Rich in good works. Uh, Go with me to uh, Mark 14. We've studied this in times past. I guess this is our third or fourth time that we have gone to this story and looked at this. Because this is a directive from the head of the church, I believe, to us, this church here. And whoever bears witness with you as well. But the Lord has said to us that if we would rid ourselves of judging, which includes hypocrisy, and covetousness, he would bring us to another level of ability. For, what's it for? Good works. It's for this. But that this was something that had been and can hold us back, hold us down, hold us out. Judging and covetousness. And you see such a clear picture of it in this story, in this passage. It's why we've kept coming back to it. In Mark 14 and 3. And I'm reading the Amplified again. said, while he, Jesus, was in Bethany, a guest in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of ointment, perfume of pure nard, very costly, and precious. Everybody say, very costly. Very costly. Wasn't just costly, it was what? Very costly. And uh, you see later that uh, they said it could have been sold for 300 pence. That's about uh, a laborer's wage for a year, depending on the value of the money. About $30,000. Could have been less, could have been more. Around in there. $30,000 a bottle of perfume. That she had on her dresser. <laughs> Just happened to have a $30,000. I, I said, first service, I, I don't think I have a, I said, I don't have a 30000 box of perfume. And I thought, well, uh, Phyllis may have gone shopping. I didn't know. <laughs> or, or she receives things. People give her things. It could, you know. But uh, she broke this jar and she poured it on him. So that's that's $30,000. Pow! Didn't clothe anybody, didn't house anybody, didn't feed anybody. Just made him smell amazing for a few hours. And his disciples, led by Judas were indignant and they uh, if we read this and studied this they railed on her and they said what a waste 
What a waste. This could have been sold for $30,000 and given to the poor. And all the disciples joined his 12. They joined in and go, yeah. And huge portions of the church believe that today and are aware of it being a quote from the Bible and they say it all the time. Oh man, they they could sell that car. They could sell that house. They could sell that and give that to the poor and are so ignorant of the Bible they don't realize that is a quote of the Bible but it's a quote from Judas Iscariot. (laughs) Oh, they should sell that and give it to the poor. That's a quote from Judas. And people think they're being righteously indignant. That is what the Lord is talking about. That is hypocrisy and it's judging. If you really want to do something for the poor, you don't go around looking at other people's houses and belongings and money. You do something for the poor. Yourself. You do it. And the Bible said Judas was hypocritical in this situation. It said he said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and carried the bag. He didn't care about the poor. He cared about that money. He cared about that money so much that just two verses later, in this same situation, he leaves this situation and goes to the leaders of the Jews and says, what will you give me and I will betray him? How much money? The woman you know, uh, we, Mary, we, this happened more than once. She dumped this on his head. Mary dumped some on his feet. This has happened more than one time. And like Mary, she this is valuable to her, but he is more valuable to her. And so she proves it by this extravagant gift. Wasteful? Wasted on Jesus? Wasted on people? Do you see how ignorant that is? And she showed she cared more about him these are the feet. How beautiful the feet that bring the. These are the feet that brought life and eternal life into her existence. These are the feet that stood outside the tomb where her cold dead brother lay and called him Lazarus, come out of there. She had no problem with thirty thousand dollars, but the man that had a problem with the thirty thousand dollars went and sold Jesus out, betrayed him for thirty pieces of silver. Come on, can you see this? The people who are so judgmental. Ah, they should have done this. Ah, that's too much. Ah, they're revealing. They don't mean to be, but they're telling you, I love money. That's what they're telling you. And money's more important to me than people. When they're saying, that's too much, too much. Too much for what? You know, being a preacher, that's too much for you. Oh, you mean I'm not worth that much? Maybe somebody else will be worth that much. But I wouldn't be worth that much. I never heard of such a thing. Preacher, ministry with a jet airplane. What are they saying? You and what you're doing is not worth that. Now, if you make brake pads or uh, if you have a magazine company, great. You can have a jet. (laughs) But you're not worth it. (laughs) Selah. (laughs) <laughs> they, they came down on her and they said what a waste what a waste and what did Jesus say verse 6 in the Amplified Jesus said what let her alone leave her alone why are you troubling her she has done a beautiful 
thing to me. King James would say good thing. And that word literally means beautiful and good and valuable. Now, is this a good thing what, he, what she did? Yes. 30 grand. Whew. Huh? If yes. <laughs> you say, I can't stand that. That's just so wasteful. No, you're so confused. You are so religious and don't know God. Because he is the God of abundance. Like Brother Dave was talking about, he will run your cup. He Doesn't God know how to get it as full as it could possibly be without putting a drop over the side? But he will run it right over the side on the table, off in the floor, and you'll go, God, God, it's running over. He goes, I know, I know. Ain't it great? He gave Abraham and Lot too many cows, too many camels, too many goats, too many sheep. Doesn't God know exactly how many cows an acre can handle? Then why did he give them too many cows? I think he's laughing good. There's cows everywhere. Look at that. There's some more cows. More goats. More cows. And when they went, when they went fishing, you remember this? He gave them too many fish. It was breaking the net, and when they loaded the boat, sinking the ships. And they're thinking, God, it's too many fish, too many fish. Go, hey, ain't my problem your boat's so small. Here, have some more fish. Have some more. But the devil would have us to believe that he is a stingy, barren, bleak, hard, mean, tight God. It's a lie. Don't you believe it? Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly to the full until it overflows. That's the truth. That's the truth. Can you say amen? Here's the thing. Jesus said what this woman did was a good work, a beautiful thing. If it was good for her to do it, it was good for her to have it. If she hadn't had it, she couldn't have done it. And if she believed, like a lot of Christians and people believe, she would have never had a $30,000 box of perfume in her bedroom. <laughs> Let me go over this again real slow. According to Jesus, her doing this was what? A good work, a beautiful thing. Was it good for her to do it? The head of the church said it was. So if it was good for her to do it, it was good for her to have Because if she hadn't had it, she could have done it. <laughs> you know, somebody's getting this in here today. <laughs> hey! <laughs> you're going to really like this next part then, okay? Now you're ready for Luke 8. Now you're ready. <laughs> Luke 8, verse 1. Came to pass afterward, Jesus went through every city and village, preaching and showing what? What? I mean, that's good news. Glad tidings. A lot of translations say good news. The gospel. Of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him. Verse 2. 
And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, weaknesses, sicknesses, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Boy, she was in a bad shape, wasn't she? Verse 4. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, Susanna, and many others. Everybody say, many others. And they did what? They ministered to him of their substance. Let me read some other translations of that. The Amplified says that they ministered to and provided for him and them. Talking about the whole crusade team because it says he was with his disciples. How many know when you travel and you got a whole team with you, are you going to have some expenses? You're traveling, you stay in places, you're eating, you need clothes, you need food, you need travel, you need all this stuff. Always have. And uh, they provided for him and them out of their property and personal belongings. Was it good for them to do this? Then what else? It was good that they had it. The message Bible says it like this. It says they used their considerable means to provide for the company. Somebody say considerable means. Considerable. The complete Jewish Bible says uh, uh, Johanna, or Johanna, the wife of Herod's finance minister. Johanna's man was the finance man. For Herod. And apparently had some accounts for her. And her and these others drew on their own wealth to help him. Now if everybody believed like a lot of Christians and preachers preach. There wouldn't be anybody with $30,000 boxes of ointments. There wouldn't be anybody with wealth and ability like Susanna and Joanna and Mary, these. You reckon God still would have some people like this today? Certainly. And who's he going to tell? No, I'm sorry. Uh, It's not my will for you to know the joy of uh, being used to supply uh, needs for the ministry. And no, I'm sorry. It's not my will for you to get eternal reward from being able to sow these kind of seeds and help these kind of things in the earth. No. Uh-uh. Don't you believe that? I said, don't you believe that? They ministered to him of their wealth, of their ability. Do you remember the Shunammite woman and Elisha? Second Kings, what is it, the fourth chapter or so? How big a hurry are you in? Second Kings 4 and 8. It fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunam. Where was a great woman? Great woman. You know what great woman is? That's King James for loaded. That's right. Well, look at the Amplified. Put up the Amplified verse 8. Where was a what? A rich and influential. Have you noticed how often those two go together? (laughs) You know, the writer of Ecclesiastes said this. That uh, he talked about how significant wisdom was. That wisdom was more valuable than might. But he said the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Well when God gives us wisdom and gives us light. Does he want it heard or not heard? 
Well, the poor man's words are not heard. But those with means have more influence in this world because of the value that people put on this stuff. And notice what he said. Rich and influential. Many translations say wealthy, wealthy. And you know the story how that he came through there. And she told her husband in verse 9. She said, I perceive this is a holy man of God who passes by here continually. So she said to her husband, let's build on. Let's build an addition to the house. Let's make an addition. Let's build on. Let's buy furniture. Let's do Some way or another, people read this and they think that their expenditures were worth less than ours today. Or it wasn't, didn't cost as much to them. Certainly it did. Everything's relative. Certainly it did. Was it good for them to be able to do this? They couldn't have done it if they didn't have it. If it was good for them to do it, it was good that they had it. Come on, are you with me now? Gotta be. And you know, not long after, he came and he's staying in that room and getting quiet and the Spirit of God ministered to him and say, call her in here. And she got the desire of her heart, got a child. And not only that, not long after that, the child died and God raised that child from the dead. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 27, go over there. Matthew 27, verse 57. Now, Jesus, at this point, has died on the cross. And he's, his body is still hanging there on the cross. And uh, when even was come, there came a rich man. Everybody say rich man. Rich man. Now, so many times when people hear rich man, they immediately assume wrongdoing our guilt, our selfishness. There are whole groups of Christians that are prejudiced against rich. Any form, variation of it. They're prejudiced against it. And they immediately assume that if you got anything nice, you must have done something wrong or your priorities are not right or you don't care enough about God. Sure. But it's not true. Now, you know, Lying is wrong. Stealing is wrong. And there are some lying and stealing preachers. And there are some lying and stealing doctors. And lawyers. And all kind of folks. But it doesn't mean all doctors and lawyers are liars and stealers. And all preachers are not liars and stealers. And it's not what you've got that's the issue. It's how you got it. How you got it. And there's a right way and there's a wrong way. But he said a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. Keep keep going. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. No, stop. You think maybe would, would he necessarily have gotten in to see Pilate if he hadn't been rich and influential? I don't think just everybody could have watched in there. Which is another reason to have some ability because it can be used for the kingdom. Can't it? 
I mean, they came and said, somebody here to see you. Well, I'm tired. I don't want to see anybody. Who is it? Mr. Joseph of Arimathea. Oh, all right. Send him in. And he pled with him for the body of Jesus. And Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. He gave it to him. See, people have painted wealth and riches and having money and stuff as being self-centered and evil and wrong. You need to get rid of all that stuff. You need to be free from all that material stuff. No, no, listen. We've been predestined to good works. And we need some resources to have the ability to do these things. And it's no wonder why the devil has fought this so hard, like healing and prosperity. Why? Because if the devil can keep us sick and broke, what few days we have down here, he can hinder us, nay, prevent us from doing the good works we're called to do. No, friend, we're born into the kingdom for such a time as this. And there are specific junctures and places and times where God would have us in position with money, with influence, with stuff to do something important for the kingdom, for the gospel, for the people of God. Do you believe it? You see, if everybody believed like many do in the church today, there would be no Susannas, there'd be no Shunammite women, there'd be no Josephs of Arimathea. But there must be. Would you volunteer to be one of these? (laughs) I saw some enthusiasm right there, yes. So yeah, yeah, keep reading, keep reading. Joseph, when he had taken the body, He wrapped it in clean linen cloth. Keep going. And if you read the other accounts, he bought a hundred pounds of rare, precious spices. I mean, in those days, spices were like gold, man. I mean, he's spending money. And, And it's just the start of it. Listen to this. He laid the body of the master in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. This is, we call this today, a private mausoleum. Have you priced private mausoleums recently? I knew you'd want to know, so I looked up some for you. (laughs) What is a private mausoleum? Now, you know, you got a burial plot, piece of ground. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a building made out of granite and marble and sometimes stained glass and and whatever. And Joseph, being a rich man, he had them hew one out. Now, come on, you think, we live up here in the rocks. And if you told told somebody, a construction company, I want you to come over here and I want you to chisel out in the rock this thing and I want you to line this with marble and I want the front to be granite and I want this and I want that. How much you think that bill's going to be? Huh? hundred bucks? Higher? Thousand dollars? Come on, do you think you got crews working out there with heavy equipment chiseling into the side of a mountain for months? And then you got specialist craftsmen putting the marble and the granite and all that. I saw in one place they started at $35,000 and went up to $2.5 million. Of course, it depends on where it is, what kind of materials, all that kind of thing. 
Is it okay to have things like this? Is it okay to spend a million dollars on your burial place? Huh? See, you run up against that old religious go. That could be sold and given to the poor. Yeah, you and Judas think just alike. Was it good for Joseph to be able to do this? Come on, was it good? I want you to think about this now. The body of the master is being disrespected. It's hanging up there naked. What do they do with it? They they take these bodies off of the cross and they throw them in the garbage. That's the kind of stuff they do. And Joseph knew this. And so he is there with his money and with his influence. And he's at the door and he's pleading. I mean, he's putting himself in risk and jeopardy to identify with Jesus today. But he does it. Because the body, I want you to listen to this now with your heart and with your ears, because the body of Christ needed some help. The body of Christ was not being taken care of. The body of Christ was exposed and in need. Oh, come on, come on. And so here he comes with his money, with his servants, with his people. He's got yards and yards of the finest linen you can buy. He's got hundred pounds of, of the finest spices. And he's got a million dollar brand new mausoleum. And they treat Jesus' body with dignity and respect. They clean it and they wrap it and they put those preservatives and they lay him out properly and they roll that stone. Now he thought he would use that for himself. And that's okay. But then he found out he needed to use it for the body of Christ. But if he hadn't believed it was okay for him to have it, he would have never had it and could have never used it for the body of Christ. Come on, are you listening today? Do we need mind renewal? Now go to Acts. And I'm, I think I'm finishing. Go to Acts. Acts 4.32 The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Don't that sound better than fussing and fighting? Splitting up and splintering off. One heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Stuff wasn't that important to them. But they had it. They had it. Verse 33. And with great power. Gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace. Was upon them all. Keep going. Neither was there any among them that lacked. Are we a part of the same church as this? We got the same gospel. Same Holy Spirit. Same name of Jesus. This is thousands of people. We know thousands got saved on that first day when Peter preached to them. Right after that, 
other thousands got saved and the Lord was adding to the church daily such as should be saved. It's no exaggeration that this was a 10,000 member church. And how many were in need in this big church? How many? How many? They only had 3% poor. Huh? None. Neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands. You ever heard this before? And houses did what? Sold them. And made good money on them. Doubled their investment. Tripled their investment. And sowed it into the kingdom of God. What if they didn't have lands? What if they weren't paid for lands? What if they didn't have houses? What if they didn't have stuff? Was it good to do this? Then it was good. To have it. It was good to have it. Oh friends. Joseph of Arimathea, Susanna, Joanna, Mary, the Shunammite woman. The list goes on. All of these folks, they had a revelation that they were saved not to just do nothing, not to just subsist, not to eke out an existence, but to be rich in good works. To have the ability to finance this, to underwrite this. Did that do anything to you listening to Joseph of Arimathea stepping in there in a moment of pain and discomfort? Come on, are you listening to this? Well, that was the literal body of Christ. But does the body of Christ have any needs? Are there any hurting, exposed people in the body of Christ? How would you like to come to the place where you're not having to work four jobs just to pay your utilities and your rent? But God has got you in such a position where you can get up and pray for four hours and then fly somewhere else in the country and come into a situation and help pay for something and underwrite something and show the love of God and take the pressure off. Come on, are you listening? Would you volunteer and say, I'll be one of those. Come on, stand up if that's you. If you say, I'll be one of those. I'll be one of those. Glory to God. Somebody say, glory to God. Hallelujah. If this is new to you, don't look at me and say, well, I don't know if I agree with him or not. Forget about me. Did I read any scriptures? Forget about me. Get yourself in this book. Go over these scriptures one at a time and make sure about what you believe. And see if you maybe had gotten a hold of some tradition that never was the Word of God. Or some stuff you thought was Christianity that never has been. And like Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I am not ashamed of the part of the gospel to the poor. I'm not ashamed of any parts. That I know and I'm aware of. I want us to sing. I shall not be moved. Part of this says. I'll be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water. Planted by the water. What does a tree planted by the water. It brings forth fruit. 
and abundance of fruit. And even in time of famine, it still brings forth fruit. Why? Because it's, it's got roots in the river that never runs dry. Let's sing. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.